0: Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: Now we were discussing how the Torah says Moses addresses himself to the entire Jewish people, and he says, "All God is asking of you is you should fear God, should be in awe of God." And the Talmud asks the question, "All God is asking of you?" As if that's a small thing, a trivial thing. It's It's a very, it's a difficult thing to achieve. So the Talmud answers that in comparison to Moses, it's a small thing. Who is saying this? Moses is saying it. Moshe is saying it. To Moshe, to fear God is a small thing. It's a simple explanation. But it doesn't make sense because the question the Talmud really had is, Moshe, of course we know that in comparison to Moshe, it's a small thing, but Moshe is speaking to us, to the Jewish people. So how can he say, all God is asking of you is to fear God as if it's something small, trivial, easy doable, achievable. So what's the Talmud answer? Well, in comparison to Moshe, it's a small thing. Yes, but not to us. To us, it's a very difficult thing. And he explains what the Talmud means is the Moshe within each and every one of us. Each and every one of us has a spark of Moshe. Moshe is one of the seven shepherds, and he is the one who gives us the ability to experience godliness, to sense godliness, to experience godliness. And therefore, in, com- in re- comparison to the Moshe within us, our ability to, um, to connect with godliness, it's easily achievable. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And this is the whole basis of the, ta- of the Tanya, because it's not something that you have to a- accomplish, not something you have to create. If it would be something you have to create, then it would be extremely difficult. It's something that every Jew is born with deep down every Jew has already this awe of God, it's there so all you have to do is you have to reveal it so it's like digging digging for a treasure, you know the treasure is there it's not a question of you don't have to create the treasure, the treasure is there but you have to dig, sometimes you have to dig deeper, sometimes you have to dig uh, not so deep but if you will persist and you will dig you will definitely discover the treasure that gives you the motivation, knowing that the treasure is there so yes, you have to roll up your sleeves and you have to dig, you have to work Nothing comes in life without work, without effort, even though it's, we, we in, it's given to us, we have it, we inherit this, this godly spark, but in order to allow this godly spark to emerge on a conscious level that it should become a force in our life, for that you have to work, you have to roll up your sleeve, you have to choose, you have to work hard, you have to dig. But you know you're digging for a treasure, that's your treasure. Having a sense of Hashem, having a sense of God, that's your treasure. And this is a level that each and every Jew is able to achieve. At least the minimum level. As the Torah says, Moshe doesn't says that it's easy for you. All God is asking of you is to fear God in order to do his mitzvot. So we're talking about the level of fear that leads one to fulfill the 613 mitzvot. The prohibitions as well as the positive mitzvot. Which level of fear are we talking about? What's the minimum level of fear? That's the level of fear that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai told his students. He says, I wish that your fear, your sense of God's reality should be at least minimum, at least as real as you feel the presence of another human being. If another human being is in the room, you're not alone in the room. If you see someone watching, you behave a certain way. <laughs> and it could be who is that other human being? It could be a stranger, could be a simple person, someone you don't know. But nevertheless, you're in public. You're in public, you behave a certain way. But when no one is watching, we're alone. We let our hair down. So what does it mean? But God is here. So what does that mean? That God is so little of a reality to us, He's not even as real as a human being. We're not talking about the king. The king was in the room. Hashem, God is the king of kings. At least, God should be not less than a simple person who's standing in the room. That's the minimum level of a sense of the reality of God. We're not talking about a fear that lightning is going to strike me and God is going to punish me. Because that's not about God. That's selfish. That's about me. I don't want to get hurt. God is big. God is bigger than me. He's going to beat me up. That's, that's very childish. That's a childish... That's not the level of fear we're talking about. That That's ego. That's childish. That's purely um, egotistical. Here we're talking about the minimum sense of godliness. Sensing God's presence as a reality. That God is standing in front of me. And He cares about me. And He wants to know... Am I going to serve Him? Or am I not going to serve Him? How am I going to behave? How am I going to think? How am I going to speak? And then he explained, as the Mishnah says, that, that God is present and He has an eye that sees and an ear that hears. Although God is not physical. So what do you mean an eye that sees and an ear that hears? He says on the contrary, God's, God's knowledge is not through eyes and ears. God knows because He knows Himself. And He gives the analogy of A human being, the way we know ourselves. You feel your own body. You don't need eyes and ears to know what's going on in your own body. You need eyes and ears to know what's going on in the world around you. But how do you know what's going on in your own body? You feel. You feel yourself. You feel if 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 your toenail hurts, you feel it yourself. You don't need any eyes and ears. how much more so that God feels Himself and He feels everything that's happening in the world. And it's even more so because... God is not affected by the world as we went into a great length last week. Now, what he's going to explain now, the question remains is, okay, so we know, we understand very clearly that God is present. And he knows everything and feels everything and knows what we're thinking and knows what we're feeling and knows what we're speaking and knows what we're acting. He knows everything. And he's right in front of us. But... God knows everything. God can see us and hear us. The problem is we can't see God. And we can't hear God. It's one thing to have fear. If another person is in the room, yes. I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed because I see the other person. But I can't see God. So how can I have a fear of God? How can I fear something I can't see or can't hear? I can't hear? I can't relate to it. So what does it help me to know, in my mind, to know that God knows everything? Okay, I, will, I believe it and I understand it. But God knows everything and He sees me and He hears me. He feels me, but I don't see God. So it's very difficult for me to have a sense of awe of God if I can't see Him. That's a, great, that's a very difficult challenge. Because to us, it's, 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 an, it's an idea, it's an abstraction. We can think about it, but we can't see it. Something you can't see, standing in front of you. How can I develop a sense of awe, a sense of fear, a sense of God's presence? I don't see God. That's the question. That's the question that he's going to address. On the bottom of 627.
2: You are describing earlier the fear a Jew should possess for God. The altar Rebbe said that it should be similar to the fear felt when one stands before a king. For God is omnipresent and observes all man's actions. The question arises, when one stands before a king, he is not only being seen by the king, but he is also looking at him. And this helps him to stand in fear of him. In analog, however, this is not the case. Through God, the king sees him. He fails to see God. The Altar Rebbe will now respond to this question by saying that there is yet another means by which an individual may awaken within himself the fear of God by being able to see the King. For by observing heaven and earth and all the created beings that people them and realizing that they are derived life from God, he will have fear of Him.
1: There's a way to look at this world You know, we are a microcosm, just like we have a body and we have a soul. You've never seen your soul, but you sense your soul. You're alive. You sense yourself. And you're more certain of your soul than anything in the world that you can see or taste or touch or smell or hear. Anything that you can perceive through the five senses, You're more certain of yourself, because you experience yourself from the inside out, than anything that you see externally. So too, you extrapolate that the world is a macrocosm. The world is like a body, and God is the soul of the world. And you sense God's presence, just like you sense your own presence. You don't even sense the body. The body the, what's the body? It's, it's what's within the body. The body is just a container. What does the body contain? The body contains the energy, the soul, yourself, that self. So you feel yourself. You don't even feel your body. You feel, you feel your soul. So too you understand that this world has a soul. So you look at the body as the whole entire world is a body and God is the soul of the world. Even though I can't see God, just like I can't see myself, but I sense, just like I sense my own soul, I sense the soul of the world, I sense God. So when I look at the world, what do I see? I don't see a body, I see what's within the body, I see the soul of the world. Just like I look at myself, I see I'm alive. So I look at what's inside, the person. I don't look at the body. I look at the person. So too, I look at the world. I look at the world. I see the world. The world is something I can see. I can see the world. But what do I see? I don't see the external. I see the world. It's alive. I see the soul. I see Hashem. So that concretizes it for me. That makes Hashem a reality. When I look at the world and I see all the creatures and I see the whole universe and I see the... This is a body, but there's a life. There's a life. There's a soul behind it. That's Hashem, the divine. So to me, the divine is real. Just like I see the world, it's physical. It's real. It's not an abstraction. It's real. So too, what's real is the soul within the world. That's real. It's Hashem. So this is a way of being able to sense Hashem, to tune into Hashem, as, as if I see Hashem. It's not an abstraction. Otherwise, it's just an abstraction, a mental abstraction, which is very difficult to relate to. So he says, he's here he's taking it from, from an abstraction, he's making it very concrete, he's making it very real and very tangible. It's a way of looking at the world. Look at the world as the body. And Hashem is the soul. When I look at the body, I don't see the body, I see the soul. I see the person alive. So too, I see the world. I don't see the body. I don't look at the body. I look at the world. I see what I see. The I see the soul that's creating and animating it. Uh,
3: I, I, I believe that the interpretation um, uh, that I'm having is the same. Way. But when I look outside, when I look at the world, when I look of awe of it all the sky the clouds the trees the fact that all of it exists is such a miracle in itself the fact that there's air there's an atmosphere there's it's not a coincidence it's not it's not anything that happened just for chance it, it's it, the the creation of it all the development that happens uh, you know the, the best example i always have for people that you know say how do you know god exists and i say i know it, it, Cause the, the development that happens in utero when a woman is is creating a life inside of her the pace the rate of that development it never again happens in our entire lifetime when that life is being created everything that has to fall into place for that perfect human being to to come to life 99.99 percent it, of the time it's not chance it's everything happens the way it's meant to happen because if it was left to nature nature introduces so i mean people that uh, science introduces so many variables if those variables were introduced it wouldn't be 99.999 that a perfect human ba- baby is born it would you know it would so that in itself to me is a miracle but just looking at that the creation of life it leaves no doubt no question that's,
1: that's beautiful that's exactly that's is the point It's a matter of perspective, it's a matter of how you look at it. Most people look at the same reality that you're looking at, and they don't see anything. They just see Mother Nature, they don't see, it doesn't doesn't point to the divine, they don't see anything godly, they don't notice the miracle, we just take it for granted. But this is what faith is, this is what he's going to say, this is what faith is. Faith is to train yourself. To look at the world and to see the miraculous, to see how miraculous it is, and to see the divine and to see the the soul and to see Hashem, and then it becomes tangible because you are looking at something concrete. You are looking with your eyes, and you are looking at the miracle of birth, and you are looking at the miracle of the body, and you are looking at the miracle of the tree and the clouds, and then you and you see when you see the miracle within it and you see the divine, then you are seeing Hashem. Then suddenly, to see that Hashem is in front of me becomes very It becomes very real because I see Hashem right in front of me. I look look around me. I look at the world. I see right in front of me. I see the soul. I see Hashem. So then it becomes a reality because in order to achieve a level of fear, a level of awe, I have to feel a presence. It can't be something abstract. You know, a mental abstraction is a very nice idea. Ideas are beautiful. But you're not afraid of an, an idea. Ideas are beautiful. It's a beautiful concept. But it's not something that awakens a sense of awe. It's not something that's going to make me jump out of the bed in the morning. What's going to make me jump out of the bed in the morning? It's more than just an idea, a concept. It has to be real. When a person is standing right next to me, I'm afraid, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, I'm not going to act a certain way. And the nice idea, it's a nice idea, but I'm going to go and act. It's not going to change my behavior when he says you should be in awe of Hashem you should feel Hashem's presence it has to be like a real presence like a physical tangible presence the question is Hashem is not physical I can't see Hashem but the answer is yes you do because by looking at the world and realizing the divine the soul within the world suddenly Hashem becomes a reality just like when you look at the body what do you see? it's not that you're looking at the body the body it's not the body I see a live person you can't separate the soul from the body the body and the soul become one. The body is not a machine. The body is not a machine that has an electrical generator that, that, that pushes the machine. The body is alive. The body becomes alive. The body becomes one and inseparable from the soul. So when I look at a person, what am I looking at? I'm looking at this body. I'm looking at a, at, a, at a soul, at, at a living being. So when I look at the world, I'm not just seeing the externals, the tree and the sky and the snow and the rain and the... What I'm seeing is, I train myself to see alive, the body is alive, the world is alive. It's miraculous, it's divine. I see Hashem, the divinity. When I see Hashem, suddenly Hashem becomes tangible. And therefore I'm in awe. The king is standing right in front of me. I look at the world, I see existence, I see miraculous, I see the divine. Suddenly, it makes me jump out of my bed in the morning. It makes me behave in a certain way, it makes me even think in a certain way. Because Hashem is standing in front of me. how I have to behave in a certain way, respectfully, and behave in a certain way. Let's learn a little inside, and I think he'll clarify this point a little more. In addition...
2: In addition to this, one should remember that, as in the case of a mortal king, the fear of him relates mainly to his inner essence and vitality, and not to his body. For when he is asleep, though his body does not change, there is no fear of him. This is because while he sleeps, his inner essence and vitality are in the state of concealment. Clearly, then, they are the main reasons for fearing a king while he is awake.
1: When the king is awake, you're in awe of him. If the king is lying down in bed, you're not, you're, at that moment, you're not in awe. You're in awe of the king. When the king is asleep, sleep is like a 60th of death. When a person is asleep, he's not there. His soul went back to heaven. He's like uh, partially dead. His body is not functioning. He can't see, he can't hear, he can't... So he's, he's, he's like dormant. His presence, his personality and character are dormant. When you're asleep, you're dormant. When you say you're in awe of the king, you're in awe of when the king is awake, when he is present. Who is he? Who are you in awe of? You're in awe of his body, of his finger, of his limb, of his nose. It's not his nose or his finger that you're in awe of. You're in awe of him. His personality, his life, his character, his being... That being is asleep. When he's asleep, it's dormant. So therefore, then you're not afraid of him. But when he's awake, even though when he's asleep, the body is there, there's no difference. It's the same body. Bodily, there is no difference when you're asleep and not asleep. But the difference is in your, in your soul, in your personality, is it dormant or isn't it dormant? Your soul is dormant. So therefore, you're not fully, you don't fully have that sense of fear. But when the king is awake and looking at you, You're afraid. You're afraid of the king. Who is the king? The king is not his limbs, it's not his fingers, and his. that's just a container. It's the personality, it's the soul, it's his his being that you're afraid of. So he's trying to say that the question was how can you compare the fear of God to the fear of a king? A king is standing in front of you, you can see the king. So therefore I, I can evoke a sense of fear. But how can you tell a Jew, wake up in the morning, jump out of bed, Hashem is standing over you. The king of kings is standing over you. Yes, it's true. The king of kings is standing over me and he watches me and he knows me and he sees me and he hears me and he feels me. He knows everything. He said, but I can't see him. If I can't see God, I can't evoke a sense of awe. And the answer is that even in the analogy, when you're afraid of the king, who are you afraid of? You're not afraid of his body that you see. Because when he's asleep, you see his body, but you're not afraid of him. You're afraid of him, his being, his personality, his soul, which you can see. When he's awake, you can't see his soul and his personality, you just see the body. So what does that mean? It's not the body that I'm afraid of. The body, what I see through the body, what comes through the body, the body is just conveys the soul. The body is completely nullified before the soul. The body is, a, is just a reflection of the soul. The body becomes so unified with the soul that the body becomes the soul. The whole being of the body is just, is just the soul. You see a person that's alive. You see the person. Not the body, not the physical, not a corpse. I see the person. The person sh- shines through the body. I see the personality, the person. When a person is asleep, well, a person is asleep, it means nothing. The physical body is like dead. The, the physical body doesn't frighten me. It's not the body. It's his personality, his character. He's the king. Who he is, his being. His presence. So the body, when you see the body, you see the person's presence. You see his soul's presence. So the body conveys the soul's presence. So even in the human analogy, it's not the physical, but by seeing the physical, I'm seeing the presence of the soul. So even though the soul is intangible, but I, when the person is awake, I see the soul through the body. So So too... You can train yourself to look at this world the same way. That this world is Hashem's body, so to speak. And Hashem is the soul. So when you look at the body, the body conveys the presence, Hashem's presence. When you look at the soul, you look at the world, and you see it's alive, and you see the miracle of existence, and you see, like you said, the the chances of existence are actually mathematically, it's almost impossible for existence to take place any of the variables would, the world would cease to exist and the chances of this happening are mathematically off the charts it's like there's no numbers it's like a quadrillion one in a quadrillion the chance of human life existing in this world it's just almost impossible for everything to be so perfect to make life the ear and water and everything should be so it's just a miracle but if, but if you see it this way if you start looking at this world this way you train your mind to see the world as the body and you see the soul that the body conveys. You see the miraculousness of this world of existence. And the, the, the divinity and the soul. You see the body is alive. The world is alive. It exists. And Hashem is sustaining it. And the whole thing is miraculous. So then you see Hashem's presence. Just like when you see the king. You see his body. And the body through the body. What comes through the body is the soul. And that's what you're in awe of. So much so when the king is here. You shake and you shudder. And, and you stand in the, at attention. And respectfully. And you behave a certain way because the king is standing right in front of me, looking me in the eye. So too, if you imagine that Hashem is right here, you look at the world and you see the world conveys the soul of the world. Hashem, then it becomes a physical presence. I see Hashem. It's physical. It's tangible. And Hashem is standing right in front of me. So you give a little shudder. You act respectfully. The king is here. You think a certain way. You speak a certain way. You act a certain way. You think Jewish. Speak to us, act to
0: it. You know, I'm very sorry. I mean, this is like a political thing. Don't be sorry. And maybe I'm going off on a tangent or something like that. But even like with the service yesterday and all of that, everything seems so perfect and so true and real. So how come, you know, we're such a small minority that we see it? But the world doesn't see it. I just don't understand it. I mean, here you're explaining it so vividly and it's so powerful. I don't get it. I mean, I just don't understand why there's so much... Why the world doesn't see
1: it. There's a disconnect. It's called the Tzimtzum. The Jew almost has like a sixth sense. You know, we're, we're called We're the believers, the children of believers. Not due to any fault of our own. Not because we're better or smarter. It's just, we're born. Hashem gave us, we're called the chosen people, not the choosing people. We're born with a Jewish soul that just, almost like a sixth sense. You know, imagine a blind person that was born blind and, you know, can't see. You know, they, they just, they just don't know what sight is, because they don't have it within them. See, we are created beings. We are human beings. So, we don't have, we can't experience something that's truly divine and godly. It's very difficult for us. It doesn't come natural to us. Because it's, it's not our experience. You know, we're human, we're created beings, we're egos. It's very difficult for us to naturally experience the divine. The Jew has a natural, inherent, innate sense of the divine. Um, if you're born with a Jewish soul, it's almost like a sixth sense a faith. And that's why a Jew sees God in everything. Not only the miraculous. Nature is mir- miraculous to us. Everything to us is miraculous. You know, we say thank God to everything, even something that's not miraculous. We go about our daily lives. Thank God, because it's just the sense that we have. It so permeates everything we do. Ask any Jew, how are you doing? Baruch Hashem, thank God. What does God have to do with anything? I'm asking how your business is going. Thank God, no good. But um, what does that, you know, God has to do with everything? For a Jew. This is a sixth sense that we have, this is the faith that we see God in everything. But this is, um, this is the Jewish faith we have on the website LessonsInTanya.com, there is the cable show Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, and uh, the first two episodes discusses the uniqueness of Jewish faith. It's called uh, There's No Other Reality But God and The Great Cover-Up, They're like, so you can listen to it and then I'd like to hear your critique, your feedback. Um, but there is a disconnect, like you go through life and God, huh, what, when, where, so much so, today you have aggressive atheism, you have all these books coming out today, you know, I don't believe in God, and, and, and I mean, it's like, it's absurd, it's like mind boggling, but, you know, but this, is, this has become, in the universities, this has become the position, this is the intellectual elite, the, left is the leftist elite position. There is no God, and it's the opium of the masses, and, and, and it's, just, it's just so childish, it's so... Or there's a
3: combination of the two called
1: intelligent design. Intelli- oh, intelligent design is revolution in America. God forbid anyone to propose intelligent design. God forbid in the public schools. God forbid you should teach the children a concept. What a radical concept, intelligent design. I mean, I mean the whole thing is so absurd. It's a complete disconnect. This is the symptom. This is the great symptom that, 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 that Al-Turabi discusses, that creates arrogance and creates ego and creates all the pimples that we have today, all these, these uh, you know, all this, these uh, things. It's totally, completely irrational, you know. But, but this is the disconnect. But a Jew has, and a Jew's mission actually is to connect the whole world. Our mission is to be a light unto the nation because our mission is to teach 6 billion non-Jews the seven Noahide laws. It has to come from the Jew. Because the Jew ultimately is plugged in. The Jew is connected because we stood at Sinai. We have the blueprint. You know, and therefore our mission is to be a light unto the nation. And um, when the Jew gets his act together, if every Jew in the world had his act together and we were connected with the divine, we, did, we acted divinely, we did a mitzvah, if every Jew in the world did one more mitzvah, we would revolutionize human consciousness and we would transform six billion people. The whole world will become aware of Hashem. That's going to happen when Mashiach will come. The whole world will, will, be, will, will be connected. Thank you. The whole, whole world will be connected. Um, but you're right. When, you, when you're on Yom Kippur, you look around the world and you're astonished the other way. Yeah. That's what we read, Hazinu Hashemayim. After Yom Kippur, that's why we read Hazinu in this week's Torah portion. Because that when, after, when you're immersed with Yom Kippur, you're immersed in so much holiness and godliness, heaven becomes close to you. And then you wonder, earth, earthiness, coarseness, ego, arrogance. It's, it's so abstract, you can't even relate to it. What's going on here? Why doesn't the whole world see when everything is so connected? Why doesn't anyone see it? You look at the world, you should be jumping from joy. You should be seeing godliness. You should be, the faith should be so alive. It should be so real. Hashem should be so personal and so real. And yet you look at the world, it's like, huh? What? When? Where? It's like everyone's blind, deaf, dumb like a bunch of dummies walking down the street you don't see, you don't hear, you don't realize, you don't appreciate but, and, th- and that's the astonishment but most people, earth is close and heaven is distant you know, earth is, feels natural and heaven, godliness seems abstract there's the rear individual who has a feeling you know the religious personality or the mystic who does sense that the world has a soul and the world is alive and and the miracle, and the astonishment of life. But that's rare. That's not the norm.
0: And if this is so, then surely in the analog as well, not only is the king seeing him, but he is seeing the king as well. And this causes him to fear God. Moreover, he must truly likewise fear God when gazing with his physical eyes at the heavens and and earth, and all their hosts, Wherein is clothed the infinite light of the Blessed One that animates
1: them. It's not like you look at a person and it reminds you of something else. It's not like a reminder. I look at the body of the king and it reminds me, oh, of his soul, his personality, his being, his life. No. The body is a soul. I mean, what's the body? The body is just a vessel, a vehicle, a container. It's, it's, a, it's a see-through. The body carries the soul. That's the whole The body. The whole being of the body has become the being of the soul. So When I see the body, I see the soul. It's not the body. Because when a person is asleep and all you have is the body, it's like a corpse. Sleep is like a taste of death. Then there, there's nothing. Then there's a corpse. <laughs> if you see a dead king, he could be the greatest person. I'm not afraid of him. <laughs> what, what, I mean... When he's alive and he's standing and looking at me, I'm terrified. I tremble. The king is here. This great personality is standing right in front of me. So, but you don't see the great personality. You see his body. His flesh and blood. But when you see the flesh and blood, what are you seeing? This, the body becomes one with the soul. I'm seeing him. Not the body. I see him. What's inside the body. The body is a reflection of what he is. When I see the body, I see him. So that's so too. You have to look at Hashem. I see the world, what should I see? I see Hashem, I see the infant. Miraculous, the divine. And therefore, Hashem becomes tangible because I'm looking at the world. I can see the world. And I and see so the miracle. I have fear. So the, Yes, therefore I, I can have that dread, that tremble, that reality. Hashem's presence is a reality. It's not an abstract concept. Abstract concepts are very nice. So it can be very comforting. But they don't evoke fear or awe or sense of presence. It's a concept. It's a nice idea, a wonderful idea. It can even make me smile. It doesn't make me tremble. Ideas don't make you tremble.
0: And this is a higher level of fear.
1: No, even the minimal level of fear. Right, the lowest level of fear, like, like Rabbi Yochan Manzaki said, level. the lowest level of fear. That Hashem's presence should be at least like another human being is standing in the room. When another human being is standing in the room, I'm physically right. embarrassed and ashamed to act in a certain way because somebody is watching. Very right. simple. Right. Hashem's presence should be at least like that. Mm-hmm. To be a presence. Uh, ideas don't change our behavior it's very nice it can make me smile it can inspire me but it doesn't make me fear tremble be ashamed embarrassed I don't feel a presence here he's trying to say how can we feel Hashem's presence it says Shiviti, Hashem, negli, the Jew has to see as if Hashem is standing in front of me all the time I can't see Hashem the answer is you can't you could look at the world the world is the body Hashem is the soul just like a human being the body is a soul it's a see-through I see the body. I see the person. It's not the body. Reminds me of the person. The body is the the body, is just conveys the person. That's all the body is. So when I look at the world, it conveys the infinite. It conveys the, the divine energy. It conveys the miraculous, the divine. If you train yourself to look at the world that way, suddenly I see Hashem. Hashem is standing right here. It's not an abstraction. It's not a nice idea, that warms my heart, that makes me smile. It's a reality, and therefore I stand. I act respectfully. I think appropriately. I don't think thoughts that are inappropriate. I don't speak ni I don't speak in a way, you know, there's a way a Jew speaks. We don't just curse, you don't just use your mouth as a sewer, you know, because Hashem is present. If Einstein was standing right in front of you, would you also carry on like that? You know, you would speak appropriately, dignified, refined, you would act refined, you would think refined. You're in awe, and you feel that awe. Awe is something you feel, it's physical. That's what he's saying, it's physical, I feel a presence. That's the minimal level. I have to feel Hashem's presence. Physically feel His presence. How can you physically feel His presence if we can't see Hashem? I mean, we don't have such vivid imaginations. A tzaddik has such a vivid imagination that for him it's as if Hashem is standing right here and he starts trembling. We don't have such vivid imagination. So how can we feel Hashem's physical presence? And this is a demand in each and every Jew. And the answer is because look at the world and you see Hashem. You see the influence. It's a sitar.
0: It's a similar like thing. if you look about a chair or a table, we know there is a creator for this one. So for sure there is was creator for this whole world. So we know this was table, like wasn't created by himself. There was creator behind this or this chair. So there is something behind of this, right. which is created but, but
1: he's saying more than that because. That the creator—that means one thing reminds you of the other thing. When I see a book, I know that there's an author, but I don't feel the author's presence. Just because there's an author, here is using a much deeper analogy. It's like a body and a soul. It's not just that the, the body is has a soul. I look at the body, I know that there is a soul. I see a building, I know there is a builder. I see a country, I know there's a George Washington. I know there's a founder. Here he's saying it's like the body and the soul, it's a much deeper connection. The body and the soul become one. The body is alive with the soul. The body is the soul, becomes the soul. When I see the body, I see, I see the soul, I see the personality. When I see a person, I see the personality. The personality of the king I can't see. But when I see the body, I see, I sense his personality. And I physically feel his presence. And therefore I'm, I'm in awe. So too, Hashem is the soul of the world. It's not just Hashem. Hashem is the creator, Hashem is the original cause. That's almost a logical, mathematical, there's a cause and there's effect. So the effect reminds me of the cause. It's much deeper than that. It's like the body's soul, just like the body and the soul, the body itself is a corpse. You don't lift a pinky without the soul. The body doesn't make a move without the soul. Everything that happens in this world, you don't lift a pinky in this world without Hashem. You don't earn a single penny more than Hashem wants you to earn. the, The soul is in total control of the world. Not only Hashem is the creator, Hashem is in charge of the world and runs the world. Not only He creates the world and He created the world, Hashem is the soul. The body is nothing without the soul. Nothing happens in this world without Hashem. So if you want success in business, Hashem you want health, everything comes from Hashem because there is nothing besides, Hashem is the soul nothing happens in this world without Hashem a raindrop, a snowflake, nothing there's nothing, an earthquake a, nothing in this world happens without Hashem Shkachaprat <laughs> is divine providence everything that we see is we just see the body, we see the symptom but we see the, but you know when you see a finger move it's the finger that moved, it's a the soul a blade of grass so, so, just like in the body, when your finger moves it's the soul that moved the person moves. It's not the finger. The finger is a corpse. The finger is nothing. It's the soul behind it that moves. So, too, you start training yourself to look at this world. Any movement in this world, anything that happens in this world, we just see the physical. But when you see the physical, you realize that there's a soul behind it. And this is something that eludes all the scientists. Just like when you see a tear, or you see someone crying. So a scientist will take the tear, take it to the laboratory, dissect the tear, analyze the tear. But he's missing the whole story. What's the tear? The tear is not the physical, the biology of the tear. It's the emotional, it's the sadness. That you can't take to a laboratory. So the scientist is completely clueless. Takes the tear, dissects it, and writes of, a... Is that what the tear is about? The tear, there's a soul behind the tear. It's intangible. But when I see a tear, what do you see? When you see someone crying, you look at the tear. You see their sadness. The tear is just a symptom. So when you look at the body, the body is just conveying the soul. You see a smile, the person is smiling, it's the soul. So yeah, so too you have to train yourself to look at the world this way. Any movement in this world, rain, snow, storm, anything that happens in this world, it's just the, phys- it's just, it's the body, it's the soul. Something is happening in the soul and it's just expressing itself in the physical. So when you see the physical, don't just see the physical, see through the physical, see the soul movement. It's the soul that's moving. It's the energy. It's the divine energy that's creating and moving and sustaining and running the world and controlling the world and in charge of the world down to the tiniest detail. Everything is divine providence. This is a different way of looking at the world. This is how you have to train yourself to look at the world. Don't just look at the tear. Don't look at the uh, symptom, at the glove. Look at what's behind the glove, the hand, the person. So just like the king. I don't see the king. I see the, the king who he is, his personality, his being, that's intangible. When I see the body, I see him, and I physically feel his presence. So too, train yourself to physically sense Hashem's presence. So this is something that's accomplishable. Every single Jew could accomplish this minimum sense of Hashem's presence. And it should be like a physical physical presence. Even though I can't see Hashem, but I could. Because I see the world, and I see Hashem within the world.
3: So the analogy would be as our bodies are a manifestation
1: of our soul, exactly. the world is a manifestation exactly. of Hashem. Exactly, so. exactly, exactly. And just like when you see the body, you feel a physical, you feel the presence of the person's soul.
3: Right, and it's physical. Right, you don't relate
1: to the, body, right. you you to the body, the body when he's asleep, the body is a corpse, it's the body, the body is nothing. It, it's the person, through the body. So too, you sense Hashem through the world, but it, it's a physical sense, you feel Hashem's presence in a very real way. So much so, that you jump out of bed in the morning.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> Halavai, right? <Yeah. laughs> we, we turn over on our left side. Um, but but that's, that's the challenge for every Jew. The Rebbe would always remind us that we are a unique generation. There's never been a generation like ours, and there never will be. We are the transitional generation, the last generation of Golas, of exile, and we will be the first generation of Gaula, of redemption. What an awesome privilege we have, and what a sacred responsibility we carry on our shoulders. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to bring the curtain down on the Golas, once and for all? O Mashiach himself gave the secret away in his famous encounter with the Baal Shem Tev, He tells the Baal Shem that when your wellsprings and the teachings of Hasidus will spread to every corner of the world, then and only then will Mashiach come. And therefore the Alter Rebbe sacrificed his life to carry out this directive to the Baal Shem by writing and publishing the Tanya. And all the Rebis sacrifice themselves to publicize and to expound on the teachings of the Tanya. And the Rebbe, the seventh, the Shabbos of all the Rebbes, published over 6,000 Tanyas, literally, in every city of the world. And now, for the first time in history, through LessonsInTanya.com, Tanya in depth is available and accessible 24-6 to hundreds of thousands, Jews as well as non-Jews, in dozens of countries all around the world. Now that you've had the personal experience and the pleasure to study the Tanya, we ask you to please partner with us to make the entire Tanya available and easily accessible to each and every Jew and to the entire world. Please help turn the wish of Mashiach, the dream of the Alter Rebbe, and the vision of the Rebbe into a reality. On behalf all of us here at LessonsInTanya.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring, And a special thank you for the good deed that you're about to do. In honor of your tzedakah, we will merit the coming of Mashiach now when we'll learn Tanya from the Rebbe himself.